Welcome to Unboxy World, the podcast where philosophy meets tech. In each episode, we're connecting the dots between philosophy, technology, society, science, and progressive thought. And together with brilliant minds across the world who dare to challenge the way we think and live in today's society, we are unboxing our minds one episode at a time. I am Ria Salting. I am a tech professional during the day and a philosopher at night. And if you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter to never miss the latest unboxed episode. So let's get started. Let's unbox ourselves. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we have John Bunsell, who is a businessman and a political activist from the UK. And he has founded a new political initiative called the International Simultaneous Policy Organization, or simply SIMPOL for short. And today, climate change is globally known as a threat to humanity. But nevertheless, governments don't really seem to solve it. Now, you may think it is because they don't care, which in some cases might be true. But John argues that the core reason is in fact that governments lack the tools to truly solve it themselves. So he argues we need a new political solution and a system to solve global matters. What we need is a global vote for global issues to complement local and national governments. But we need to make sure that it is also designed in a way so that everyone is better off and that no country put their own competitiveness at risk. So he has designed a new global policy and a voting system where he actually applies a game theory and refers to something he calls the political prisoner's dilemma to understand the dynamics that make governments collaborate and to design a system where everyone is better off and so that it is aligned with everyone's motivations. The end result has ended up in simple, which is a new political solution to solve climate change. And the work is supported by many eminent professionals and researchers across the globe, such as Jose Ramos Horta, who is a previous Nobel Peace Prize laureate. So in today's episode, you will learn more about what simple is, what it is that is refraining governments from cooperating across the globe, how you can design a system to solve global matters, and how evolutionary biology has in fact big problems for humanity in the past and what we can learn from it, and how the future of democracy can actually look like with an additional global vote to complement our existing voting systems. And some interesting facts about John is that the idea of Simple actually came to him during a lunchtime uh, conversation with his family in 1998. And since then, Simple has been growing. Today, it is supported by over 100 members of the parliament in UK, and it is also growing internationally. Today, he is a retired businessman with three children and three grandchildren to date. And it makes me very hopeful that there are people like John out there who's trying to make an actual difference 
for the younger generation. And I look very much forward to sharing this episode with you all today. It has been very insightful and hopeful. We obviously need to work for it, but there are solutions to global problems. So let's get to it. So hello, uh, John Bunzel, uh, founder of uh, Simple. Uh, welcome to the Hi show. There. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thanks very much for the invitation. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you here. And um, I'm very excited to um, continue our conversation that we had uh, the other week. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so just to start off then, so tell us your story, uh, who you are, uh, what is simple, and really how did you uh, come up with the idea? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a retired businessman now. Um, I'm 63 years old. I have, uh, I'm divorced. I have three children and three grandchildren. And uh, I've worked in um, uh, a family business all of my life, which is mm -hmm. in um, raw materials trading internationally. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> about the end of 1998, I was having a Sunday lunch with my family and my children. My mum was there. And the kids were talking about climate change because they were covering it at school. And um, after the meal, my my mum turned around to me for some reason and just said, well, John, what would you do about climate change? Mm. And, yeah, nice question. Uh, <clears throat> and I just it was it was something about the way she challenged me mm. that um, uh, I sort of went inside myself. And almost from nowhere, uh, this really strong conviction uh, arrived that it would have to happen simultaneously. Mm. Okay, because, and I think when I, I mean, it was completely, you know, I really, it was like it came from nowhere. But uh, when I think about it now, I think that that may partly be because of my business background. So when mm. you when you understand how international business and and economics and capital flows are working mm -hmm. you you understand that um it's almost impossible for any country to significantly uh, reduce its emissions uh unless other countries are doing the same mm -hmm. thing because otherwise you know to, to reduce emissions you have to increase taxes and regulations but any country that did that first in advance of other countries to any you know any major degree would make its businesses, its economy, uncompetitive with those yeah. elsewhere. And so I, I, I realized, I somehow, I, I think I instinctively realized that this was a vicious circle. Mm. And um, the only way out of it is simultaneous action. Mm. So that's how the idea uh, arrived. Um, <clears throat> but I also realized that there was a, you know, something much more profound to it because the idea of you know I, I, on, the, on the one hand I was aware that we were we were all caught in this vicious circle mm. and um, that we that we you know if we didn't get out of it we, we wouldn't survive and of course it's not just climate change that suffers from this problem it's mm. also nuclear weapons proliferation 
it's tax avoidance, it's financial mm-hmm. market um, regulation, um, you know, there are wealth inequality. There are many, many, COVID is now another one. There are many, many global issues that, that, that suffer from this prisoner's dilemma kind of problem. Mm-hmm. But um, profound also in the sense that the idea of simultaneous action kind of creates a new cooperative context in our minds okay and mm-hmm. and if we if we can can talk internationally to one another about what we could do if we acted simultaneously yeah. we have we have the opportunity we create the opportunity to transit to a new world mm-hmm. whereas if we don't have that image in our minds if we don't have that context if we don't create that context you know we're just going to stay in the vicious circle and we all know where that ends so it was a very profound very powerful um moment of insight and and then since then i yeah my first feeling was well if this is such a good idea well someone's must have thought of it before or um it maybe it's just a stupid idea so I started reading and reading and reading and looking at, you know, reading the newspapers. And, and the longer this went, the longer I, the more I read, the more I discovered that actually nobody had really thought of it, in, at least not in this way. Mm. And um, that it, it was actually very relevant. Mm. Um, and so I started to write my very first book and I started to talk to people and, Mm. You know, talk about the idea, try to develop it into a some kind of coherent, mm. practical campaign rather than just an idea in my head. Mm. And um, it's gradually developed from from there. And today we we now have um, uh, over a hundred members of Parliament in the UK Parliament mm. who have uh, pledged to implement the simultaneous policy. Mm. So simple is short for simultaneous policy. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, members of parliament in, in the Irish parliament, in the German parliament, uh, in the European parliament, uh, Australian parliament, which are in Luxembourg, one or two other countries around the world. So, and, and citizen supporters as well in, in over about 150 countries. So uh, it's, it's beginning to develop now. Um, mm. But uh, relatively speaking, we are still we we haven't broken through the media radar yet. Um, mm-hmm. But um, hopefully that'll change soon. Yeah. So so what is um, so then simple in a nutshell? If you do the elevator pitch uh, for the listeners, oh God. What, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <coughs> right. Well, there's 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 really four aspects to simple. Mm-hmm. The first is simultaneous implementation Mm. okay so this means that if all or sufficient nations implement an agreed uh, Mm. set of policies at the same time then you can break the vicious circle i was i was describing earlier if everybody moves together nobody loses out everybody Mm. can win okay so simultaneous implementation that's the, the key first point the second point is that it's a multi-issue framework. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you look at, say, the way the United Nations today is trying to solve climate change at the the, the COP 
you know, through the COP process. Uh, the next meeting is in Scotland, I think, later this year. Um, they are dealing effectively with one single issue, carbon emissions. But if you take any single issue, there will always be some nations that win, others that lose. And of course, the losing nations have got no incentive to cooperate. Yeah. And so um, this is why, you know, th so there's no opportunity for trade-offs if you've only got one issue on the table. Mm -hmm. um, and so under Simpol, we are talking about a multi-issue um, policy package, mm -hmm. if you like. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, for example, you would have a, a climate, uh, an emissions reduction policy on the one side, but on the other side, you would have a global tax raising policy, perhaps mm -hmm. something like a, a global currency transactions tax or a global wealth tax. And so the, the, the idea being that the, the, the billions that you raise from the tax, you can use to pay off the losers on the climate part of the agreement. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of that is that you then make immediate action in every nation's interests at least in principle, yeah. Um, but right now, just dealing with one issue at a time, I sometimes think, you know, how could I organize a global process for cooperation that has the maximum chance of failure? Well, it's what, it's what the UN is doing right now. And I think we're, we're seeing that it's just not working um, because, yes, you know, agreements are made like the Paris Climate Agreement, but it's just, you know, and some progress is made, but it's all very incremental. You know, we, we need, we know that we need really big strides, not these little incremental strides. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you will only get that if you have simultaneous implementation, a multi-issue uh, policy mm -hmm. framework. The, the third aspect of Simpol <clears throat> is that the agreed policies that, that, um, we would envisage would would not be just targets okay mm. uh, at the moment again at the cop process they are talking about agreeing targets for emissions reductions and then but the problem with that is that no nation knows exactly what every other nation is going to do to actually achieve those targets and so the uncertainty remains about keeping their economies competitive because if if nation number one doesn't quite know what nation number two, three, four, and five is going to actually do, yeah. nobody wants to move, you know? So, mm -hmm. you know, this idea of just agreeing targets is, is it's just mm -hmm. not, it's not uh, transparent enough. Mm -hmm. And the, so that's the third aspect, but the fourth aspect and the really exciting part about simple, this is a, this is a very long elevator, Maria, mm -hmm. okay, very high building. Um, uh, is the way that citizens can actually use their right to vote in a new way to drive, to incentivize politicians to um, agree a simultaneous policy. So effectively, when what we invite citizens to do is when they when they sign on to the campaign, which is just simply filling in a form, it's basically saying that they will commit to giving strong preference at future national elections to mm. politicians or parties who have pledged to implement the simultaneous policy mm. okay and the idea of that is is it may, it gives politicians an incentive to sign up to, to that commitment and of course <clears throat> once one politician or one party signs up the competitors are forced to follow mm. because they don't want to lose out so mm. as a as support for simple grows 
we're becoming a kind of uh, a growing voting block, if you like, which mm-hmm. which is capable of swinging elections or parliamentary seats uh, one way or the other. And so just to give you a very, very graphic example, I mean, I, I know in Sweden, your your um, your your political process is different. But in the UK, for example, uh, we have one um, constituency electoral areas, which just have one member of parliament. And so whoever wins the most votes gets gets the seat. Mm-hmm. And there are some areas in the UK where in past elections, that seat has been won or lost by maybe just 100 votes or 150 yeah. votes or a very small number. And uh, a number of times in past elections, this has happened where we managed to get one candidate to sign up in that area, maybe the Green Party candidate. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we inform, of course, the, the competitor candidates from all the other parties. We inform them that this one candidate has signed up, the Green Party has signed up, and that, of course, our voters, uh, our simple supporters in that area will be giving strong preference to uh, whoever signs up. And then, and then the next thing you know is then the Liberal Democrat signs up, and then the Labour Party guy signs up, and then the Conservative signs up. And so quite often we've had a case where we've had all the all the competing candidates have signed on to Simpol in advance of the election uh, because, of course, they don't want to lose out, mm. right? So this is a, a very powerful way that citizens can take back control uh, and can actually make their votes count at the global level. Because, mm. again, if you come back now to the United Nations, for example, we citizens, we've got no, we have no input into the United Nations or into these negotiate these negotiations, none at all. And so, if our politicians fail to, uh, to 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 cooperate at the global level, they have no they have no price to pay. There is no uh, there is no um, punishment for them. There is no disincentive. Uh, with Simpol, that electoral power gives them the incentive. Mm-hmm. So the politicians who who sign up gain the advantage of, of our, our preferential vote, uh, but those who fail to sign up risk losing to those that have signed up. Mm-hmm. So it's a very powerful process. And, and we found also that it works not just in the UK, but in also proportional representation systems as, as well. Such as Sweden. Um, uh, yes, I think Sweden you have a more, uh, do you have more of a party? Is it more, I mean, the candidates I think are more chosen by the parties. Or is that? Uh, yeah, I, we don't have to, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. Get into the. I don't know how to, exactly no. how to. Um, um, but 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose but, I suppose you could say all 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 democratic elections are based on party political competition. Okay, and and yeah. so long as that's the case, simple should work, basically. So, um, so all in all, um, to to kind of summarize what uh, simple is, then it, it, it's, it's uh, as I interpret it, it's, it's essentially a way to to vote for a global um, a global policy um, and getting enough politicians to 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 sign up for it, and it will be implemented in the future when and if enough people have. And politicians have um, signed up to it, so there's nothing to yeah. lose until that, that, that point in time. That's right, and and so because of that, because of that voting pressure that we apply, 
It also means that citizens have a strong influence on what the actual policy content of Simpol will be, right? So it's not a question of just applying pressure on politicians and then they decide what the policy should be. Mm. No, we citizens will have a strong input on 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 what the policy content will be. So mm. it's almost a, it's not a direct democracy, but it's a it's it's going in that direction, mm. you could say. And um yeah. And and also I think the other the other the other way to to look at it, uh, Marie, is if you if you look at it from the point of view of a politician, mm. for a politician looking at what what we're doing, uh, a politician would say to himself, well, I don't have anything to risk by signing Mm. up to Simpol because it only gets implemented if and when all or sufficient nations have also signed up. Mm. So that's a plus. Um, I also don't have to change my existing policies um, until Mm. that time happens. So that's another plus. I also get the benefit of the, the the extra votes potentially that the Simpol voting bloc could offer me. Yeah. But if I don't sign up and my competitor signs up, ah, I could lose yep. my seat. I, you know, I could lose the election. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's 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 from their from politicians' point of view, it, it it also makes sense. And in fact, we have, of course, some politicians have signed up through the pressure I described. But mm-hmm. but many of them have signed up just because they think Simpol's a good idea, and they actually yeah. they all they write to me and they say, well, thank you so much for at last there's a mm-hmm. there's a way of getting us out of this dilemma of mm-hmm. of um, this prisoner's dilemma that we're we're stuck in at the moment. So and 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 that's I mean you're mentioning that on your website that um Simpol is a way to understand root causes that keep governments from solving solving global problems. And and I've seen that you've um, explained this in your TEDx talk um, in the form of what you're referring to as a political prisoner's uh, dilemma. So what is um so, so how did you then design um, the simple solution to to overcome these root causes that you're mentioning? Yeah, well, I I I <laughs> I didn't really um, in the <laughs> okay. beginning, in the beginning uh, Maria, because the idea just came to me. Like that, okay. but but I suppose yes, I did. We did in its articulation. We 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 mm. we, you know, when we actually developed it into a campaign, we took into account all of this reading that I did and all of the the issues where, where it was very obvious that there was this prisoner's dilemma dynamic going on, and um, and so um, the two things just sort of worked together quite well and and um, it didn't take it didn't take much development in a way mm. but um our, our biggest problem really has been tr- how to articulate it how to explain it because mm. it's something you know is it a world government no is mm. it is it an international treaty well yes but it's driven by citizens you know we we almost don't have a language for it and that's why the elevator is you know the building is quite the elevator pitch is quite long because it's not something that has ever really happened before uh, and so it, it takes a little bit of explaining it's like a risk free bet yeah in a way yes it, it's 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 a it's a win win you know the win win yeah. at the global level and um you know we we 
we um, we we definitely need that because it's you know I think people often think um, well um, we you know governments are not solving climate change and these other problems because they're corrupt or they're mm-hmm. stupid or they're they are um, you know being paid by vested interests and yes you know that can be the case but but much more uh, much more um, relevant is the fact that it's not that they don't want to solve these problems is that the vicious circle of what i call destructive global competition this prisoner's dilemma that they're in um, <clears throat> this fear of, do, of 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 implementing anything that will risk their economies that's what's stopping things that's the real barrier and yeah. um, <clears throat> it's not that people are evil or, generally speaking, it's not that people are e- evil. It's that they're just stuck, basically. They're stuck yeah. in this vicious circle. Yeah. Um, it, like, I, I mean, in Sweden, um, the environmental part, we talked a lot about, you know, proving that you can um, uh, you can solve the climate change climate crisis um and still keep economic growth but this is um um and and a more powerful um you know doing it together at the same time uh, solution i well, i assume instead of trying to do it alone <laughs> in well, the I, think, world. You know, <clears throat> I think i think you know there is a lot of um there's a lot of rubbish talked about well yes well we can stay competitive and solve these problems but you know if that was really the case we'd have solved them by now you know if 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 really you could have economic growth and profits and solve climate change there would be no climate change you know there would be no problem market forces would have solved the problem automatically mm. you know if those two things really were um compatible but the, the reality is, is that they are not compatible. Mm. You know, the, 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 there is, you know, you, you need to, you've got to impose regulations and taxes if you want to stop people emitting carbon. Mm. Uh, uh, and if you do that, any country that does that in advance of other countries is going to suffer a competitive disadvantage. Mm. You know, it's just, you know, just the way it is. And I think sometimes when people talk as if that wasn't the case, that it's more like wishful thinking. Mm. Because, and I think often the this is this is the case. I think because the whole idea of well, the whole idea of global cooperation, most people think, my God, that's never going to happen. And then when some guy like me comes along and says, and what's more, it's got to be simultaneous. You know, mm. it's it's such a it's such a hard thing for people to 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 kind of imagine. As being possible, that they are then kind of confined to this wishful thinking that oh well maybe oh well, maybe we can marry competitiveness with solving climate change and and you know they'll come up with all sorts of uh, arguments but but it's just not the case generally speaking that's not to say that there aren't some you know certain technical solutions that might might help. But the the general rule, I think, is that, that there is a dilemma there. Yeah, I think it was was it Einstein who said that uh, we cannot solve the problems. Um, we, we can't solve present 
problems with the same thinking that, yeah, exactly. that created exactly. them. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, um, that's absolutely right. And in a sense, you could say that the the, the way of thinking that that is most prevalent in the world today, or at least in the Western world, is what I call nation centric thinking. So it's kind of an enlightenment thinking, yeah. which is very either or. It's very linear. It's it's and it's subtly rooted in the nation state. It's it's yeah. you know it's it's as if we we look at the world through national glasses. Okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you know. The, the competitiveness thing is a good example, actually, Maria, because if you, if you say, <clears throat> well, this <clears throat> doing this will make Sweden more competitive. Yeah, that's a good thing. Right. You look at looked at through national glasses. That's a good thing. But if you then s- see from what with world centric glasses that that action by Sweden will then cause a chain reaction, a vicious circle that causes all the other nations to do the same thing, maybe cutting its corporation tax or whatever the. The thing may be, you then see that actually that action that from a national perspective looked positive from a global perspective, yeah. it looks negative. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's a question of, of our worldview. Yeah. And that is when we last time we, we spoke about, um, you know, politics and the dynamics between countries. Um, I, I, uh, I said that uh, I've often been thinking that if we could all become more aware and more understanding, we'd be. Uh, that will be one of the keys to 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 peace uh, because we wouldn't uh, go into conflict. We would instead try to resolve the conflict uh, if we would understand understand each other better. But you then said to me that uh, understanding is great, um, but it's not enough. <laughs> so well, um, yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's sort of what I meant is that I mm-hmm. think <clears throat> we've reached a stage now where mm-hmm. the kind of political polarization that we see. In, in almost every country now, is is not resolvable at the national level. Mm. It's it, it, you know just simply by understanding. You know, someone who voted for Brexit will never understand someone who who uh, who, who voted to remain. Yeah, and and there is almost there is almost no way any amount of understanding, mutual understanding, will mm. will solve that problem. And the reason is because it's a question of worldview. You know, people are at different, you know, there are really different ways of looking at the world. And some are are more, more sophisticated than others. Um, and it's very difficult to get those different people who sit in those different worldviews to actually understand one another. <clears throat> And then, and you said also that even if they do, they would you know still say that well, I'm still worse off. Um, so you need to design the system so that um, everyone is uh, better yeah. off. Yeah, yes, that's right. I mean, I think I think what you're seeing today is that that you know we've had forty years of globalization ever since the the 1980s. You know, the Reagan Thatcher Big Bang of financial market deregulation. And that uh, the, the freeing of capital to, to move globally has exacerbated this this uh, vicious circle I've been talking about of, of destructive global competition. Because for every nation to prosper, it has to attract that capital. Yeah. It's like yeah. a it's like a rain cloud that's moving 
around the world, but to grow every country needs the rain to to fall on its soil you know (laughs) and and of course they're to to attract the rain cloud they have to cut the regulations and make it more attractive and profitable for business to come to that to your country and and so the political effect of that has been that for citizens it kind of doesn't matter who you vote for anymore because whoever gets in they've got to keep the country internationally competitive and as a result of that um, parties on the left that traditionally supported the working classes um, by, by, by having fairly high taxes on the rich and redistributing to the poor couldn't do that anymore under the globalized environment because that, of course, makes mm-hmm. the country yeah. less competitive. And so what's happened is that left-wing parties, whether it's the Democrats in the USA or whether it's the Labour Party, and, and I'm sure it's similar in, in Scandinavia, um, you know, they have gradually moved, moved, moved to the right. And they've yeah. kind of become business parties, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think after 40 years of this now, particularly the working working classes who are or people who feel on the losing end of globalization mm-hmm. have just had enough. And and that's why they're now voting Trump, Brexit, and for these populist uh, far right or populist parties. Because it's, it's like a rebellion against a, a a global economy that doesn't have the kind of global agreements you need that, that Simpol would provide, you know. Yeah. And so it's this imbalance between a global economy on the one side, but only national governance on the other. And of course, you can't you can't manage a global economy with with governance that's smaller than global, you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so you you actually mentioned that um, an, an evolutionary biologist um, um, told you that the simple solves these global problems the same way as evolution has solved um, yeah. big problems in the past. <laughs> who, who was that, by the way? And they, could yeah, you elaborate on um, that? <laughs> yeah, it's an evolutionary biologist. He's from Australia, um, a man called mm-hmm. John Stewart, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, he contacted me uh, in about the year 2000 after he he, he discovered Simpol, and he, he said this to me, just as mm-hmm. you described. And I, I when I first heard it, I didn't know what he was talking about. But when I when I looked into his um, his work, which is really really interesting, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you can see that that the whole of human evolution has been a series of steps where we've moved gradually to ever larger social units. Mm. So we've gone from, you know, the families of families or tribes of prehistory mm. gradually to middle age, small states, mm. then to larger nation states. And now uh, we're looking at supranational organizations like the European Union, the United Nations and so forth. But ultimately where evolution is taking us is to some sort of global cooperative governance uh, of the kind, something like Simpol. Mm. And <clears throat> what John Stewart is saying is that at, at each of those stages, there was a competition bottleneck. Mm. Okay, so for example, you might have two tribes that were, were, were warring against each other. Mm. And uh, then 
suddenly a third tribe comes over the top of the hill, threatens them both, and they think, oh, well, yeah. we, better, we better merge together to fight off this, this uh, mm-hmm. competitor. And so, in a sense, this is this competition drives cooperation on ever larger scales. That's the paradox. So, and, and, and at each, cooperation. And at each, sorry. sorry. Yeah. So, cooperation has um, has uh, been beneficial across evolution. Then. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So you could say that that uh, I, I think of them like a co- competition and cooperation as kind of dance partners. Mm. So most of the time. Competition is leading the dance. Competition is the sort of default mode of, of, of life, if you like. Mm-hmm. But, but at a certain point, uh, and that's what we're reaching now with globalization, competition becomes so frenetic and so destructive and so uh, threatening to everybody that the, 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 the pressure for cooperation starts to rise. Mm-hmm. And, and because everybody realizes, well, if we don't cooperate, we're finished, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which is the classic prisoner's dilemma, uh, and so um, uh, when I when I um, heard when I understood John Stewart's work, I could see how Simple fitted into that evolutionary trajectory, mm-hmm. and I think that's also really really important, Maria, for people to understand these days. Because I think when you you know when when your average person sees the world today and they see all this crazy mm-hmm. stuff and climate change and this and COVID and God knows what else, you know, it's, it's scary. Uh, and I think if you, but only if you understand the evolutionary perspective, you can see that at each of these competition bottlenecks, this is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it's scary, but we can see where evolution wants to take us and we can mm-hmm. then work together to, to make sure that we get there. Mm. And, and Simpol, if you like, is is simply a a tool that we can use for for doing that. Mm. So, yeah, historically, um, uh, humankind has has uh, proven to to solve big problems um, when we have to. Yes, well, we have, and and you <laughs> see, this 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 is that's another really <laughs> interesting thing because you know a lot of people will say, uh, yeah, but you know it's all too late. You know, we we haven't, we'll never do it in time, and and you know it's so unlikely that we could achieve global cooperation. It'll never happen. But if 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 that was really the case, we wouldn't even be here now. Yeah, because at every at each of these bottlenecks, the ninety percent probability. Was probably that that we were finished, or that the you know that the tribe was finished, or the family was finished, or the you know. But we managed to leverage that ten percent opportunity mm-hmm. somehow. Because and if we hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be here today. Yeah, that's um yeah. That's um, um it's a uh, it's a, it feels optimistic. <laughs> that sounds- it feels optimistic, yeah. But, yeah, and I mean you know. I, I suppose I, my, my attitude is, well, you know, yeah, the 90% probability is that we, we, we don't survive. But there's nothing I can do about that. The only thing I can do is to maximize the 10%. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think yeah. that's, that's the kind of attitude we have to have. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, so. So um, just looking a bit broader. So what you are essentially doing is that you are innovating around new uh, voting systems, and um, 
there are a few things happening around that space uh, and now there's so um it's, it's not the only um innovation project going on around the voting um and and that like what we're almost seeing is a is a new kind of disruption industry taking place um uh, which is politics tech uh, and um so how since you are moving within this uh, space how do you foresee how do you imagine um the future of democracy uh well i think the as as i sort of going back to what i said earlier i think you will you will only save democracy at the national level if we add this new global level to it because without it you 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 will get what i described earlier you get this situation where uh, you know competition means that that whoever gets in whoever we elect has to keep the country competitive mm-hmm. then people get fed up with that and then so the whole center ground of politics gets squashed out and people move to the extremes um and so and then people say well doc, democracy is is useless it's dying but the real problem is is that we haven't got the global level sorted out Mm-mm. if once once we get the global level sorted out we will find that that nations are re-empowered so that they will be able to implement some of these solutions that that today the world is crying out for which they can't do today and then i think um democracy will be revitalized um but we will have added another layer to it you know so for example in the west we 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 we're all very used to voting in local elections and in national elections and sometimes in a state election in, in say a country like india and what simple does it adds another another yeah. layer uh, at the global level and i think when you do that and if that works that the rest of the layers will become more healthy again yeah yeah you know? so i think that's that's the overall um my that would be my overall vision for for the future of democracy but i think unless we sort out the global level none of these other gizmos and tech stuff mm. is really going to work mm. because you're still going to have the vicious circle of destructive global competition still going to be carrying on yeah so you so then that the, the local politicians can focus on the local um problems rather than the global ones Yeah. yeah uh, yes that's right it's it's <clears throat> you know i mean it's 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 no different to your your body or mine you know different different things are are dealt with at different levels you know our individual cells are are individual entities that are doing their thing and you know so are the the organs and you know and, and so forth it's it's a it's a, what do you call it subsidiarity subsidiarity mm-hmm. but when you you know the problem like i said right now is that the economy is global but the the governance is only national and and it's that imbalance uh, yeah. or the point the poison from that imbalance is trickling down the whole system and mm-hmm. it's it's degrading everything it's degrading meaning making it's degrading uh, democracy mm-hmm. it's degrading almost everything that we care to look at mm-hmm. you know so um mm-hmm. yeah so- Yeah. So I um so and now um with the um uh, the, the pandemic um uh today um we have 
um, this, a lot of people at the same time are rethinking how we live and, and um, our way of living um, and, and, and also uh, what are we optimizing for in our lives. Um, so and uh, just recently I saw in the news that, uh, in fact, 25% in Sweden are now considering moving out to the countryside house, which is a, a quite um, shift from the urbanization. And, um, and obviously that also has a ripple effect on and how you rethink um, what we're optimizing for in society. Um, and what do you, um, uh, and especially because we have... Um, um, more people are realizing that this the, the short-term economic growth uh, way of uh, uh, optimizing for uh, pe- more people understanding that it is destroying our planet. So, what would you? Um, what would be a more? What would be an update and more sustainable? KPI in society to optimize for instead of GDP. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about gross national happiness and. Uh, um, well-being indicators and things like that, and <clears throat> I mean, I I, uh, I think that's a good idea, but mm. it's it, you know the the way we optimize is not through indicators. It's through governance. It's through legislation. It's through laws, taxes, mm. and dis, you know incentives and disincentives. That's what um, shapes the values of of an economy. You know, so f- f- let me give you an example, Maria. Say, for example, that in Sweden you said, "Okay, well, look, we're, we're not going to do GDP anymore. We're going to have gross national happiness." Mm. Well, okay, but if you don't change the laws yeah. or the, or, you know, you're still going to get, you know, you, you're just going to get the same result. Um, and, and you know, or what you will find is that in order to to keep your happiness going up, you will have to change the laws. Mm, mm. You know, so at the end of the day, these are just indicators. You know, what, 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 um, if you want to, you, you know, you can't, the thing that instills values into an economy is governance. It's mm. not anything else. You know, if you want to have, uh, if you want to have, say, not too much of a gap between rich and poor, well, you put in, in you know, progressive taxes and, and the social safety nets. You know, you, you can't just do it through an indicator. An indicator will maybe tell you, will, will point to what's happening, but it won't actually change. You know, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to legislate. Mm. And, 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 you know, my, my point is, is that the difficulty today is that governments can't do that because they fear becoming uncompetitive in mm. many cases. And so again, if we want to have, uh, if we want to make this shift towards gross national happiness or gross national well-being, we will need some kind of global cooperation to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so whichever way you dice or slice it, um, I think we we will come, we will find that we will come back to the same conclusion. Mm. So uh, then, essentially, the loss that we have in society is a reflection of the kind of philosophy or the, the, the values that we have in society. Um, yes, I think that's right. Exactly yeah. right, Maria. And, and <clears throat> you know, the, um, the, that, that's right. And so it is those values that, that then inform the laws, which then shape the economy. Right. 
And, and But the problem today is that those values are being degraded by yeah. destructive competition uh, at the global level. So even if Sweden or, or, or Britain would have the value that we would like to cut our emissions, let's say, mm. we can't do it because we're afraid of the consequences if other nations don't do it as well. Mm. You know, so it's, it's those values are, are being held back, I would say, by, by this vicious circle. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, that when you have the corporate culture on um, nice words on the walls in the company, but nobody lives by them. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, from, I'm from the business world. Yeah. And, you know, I always laugh because whenever whenever I would visit a customer, you know, yeah. you, you would, you know you're sitting in their reception area and they've got this, this statement on the, their philosophy statement on the wall. You know, the more the more pompous and grandiose the statement mm-hmm. is the more usually the more uh, dominant that company is that you know in other words they're pretty much a a, a monopoly mm-hmm. anyhow so they can they can say what they like you know and, and uh, it, it's 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 just greenwashing most of the time. so just the same as in corporations you know that you actually walk the talk with those values that the same kind of um uh, function the laws fill in society you could say <laughs> Sorry, say that again. I didn't quite. Uh, so, so, I mean, <laughs> we would talk about in a business context that you have to walk the talk with you with your values. So, what you're actually yeah. doing is what is reflecting your true values, and the yeah, same. But there, way, yeah. But there again, you've got the same problem, uh, yeah. Maria. Because you know, I'm sorry, I'm I'm sounding like a broken record. I know, but you know, as a businessman, I know that I know the way this works. You know, it's like you have your values, mm-hmm. um, but competition. With with your you know to stay competitive with your competitors, sometimes mm. you're forced to compromise on those values. Mm. You know, mm. so so for example, I don't know. Say for example, you are losing market share and your costs are mm. maybe too high. You're faced with a dilemma because to cut costs, you 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 feel you have to cut uh, maybe a hundred jobs, let's say. Mm. And you you're in the dilemma because you think, well, if I if I don't do that because it's against my values. I, I don't want to cut those jobs because that's against my values to throw these people out. Mm. Um, the problem is, is that if I wait another six months, I might have to kick out 300 people. Mm. You know, so it's like, you know, the, the, for, as business people say, if we don't do it, our competitors will. Mm. You know, so it's like if 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 the Shell Oil Company doesn't, Uh, exploit and pollute the the Agoni Delta in Nigeria, it knows damn well uh, that that uh, mm. you know Texaco or some other oil company will be only too happy to to take its place. Mm. You know, and, and and business people they've they've got to keep their share prices up. Mm. You know, and and so they're in a vicious circle as well. Mm. And I think I think we we're fast reaching the point. Where and in fact, I saw an article in the Economist a few years ago where, where it was about climate change. In fact, mm. and it said um, <clears throat> it showed a, one of those London telephone, those old London telephone boxes, gradually going underwater, and the headline was "Regulate us, please." Oh, where, yeah. where, so this <laughs> is where business people were were basically saying to governments, mm. you know, you need to force, you know, you need to to give a legislate. So that we know what the rules are to 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 stop to stop the climate change, 
But if you don't legislate, if you don't regulate us, mm. we have to. We're we're stuck in. You know, we're we're stuck in having to stay competitive with uh, other companies and competitors that may be in other countries and and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, the, this similar kind of vicious circle is is applies in the business world as it does in the political world. You know, which is why you need global uh, governance around global matters. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, regulating business to some degree is 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 a global issue as well. Mm. You know. We need we need a, le- a sort of level playing field. And that doesn't mean I mean this is another point that, that's important, I think, about Simpol is we're not talking about every nation implementing exactly the same policies. It, it, rather it would be that you know, for example, let's take if you took corporation tax. Uh, for example, it's not a question that every nation would have the same level. It would more be that every nation agrees to increase its level relatively by the same, you know, by a, a certain agreed percentage, let's say, so that that every nation's relative competitiveness stays the same, but the amount of corporation tax that everybody raises is much higher, and then that can be used to fund. Yeah, exactly. So it's not a, it's, you know, Simpol is not a one size fits all straitjacket it's 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 rather more like um you know it's it's like what we do in in an individual country where the rich pay higher taxes than the poorer pay you know but every pay everybody pays them on the same date you know so it's it's a similar principle really mm-hmm. So, uh, so lastly, then some um, future gazing. Um, so, ten years from now, where <laughs> do you see Simple, and what is next on the agenda? <laughs> well, yeah, ten years. Well, <clears throat> I would hope that we will. It, it depends. I think um, if the United Nations process is successful, and let's all hope that it is, then. We can we can forget about Simpol and I can go back to, uh, you know, I, I can go I'll go on holiday, Maria, you know. But um, if if the United Nations process continues to fail, and and the, and the world's ability to deal with global problems continues to be inadequate, mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance that Simpol will gradually become more and more widespread, will become better and better known. And um, it might, hopefully, at least, offer us uh, a lifeboat um, that that um, that we we desperately need. But who knows? Who knows? So then, uh, uh, some some last optimistic um, uh, encouragement. If any of the listeners want to, uh, you know, do what they can, um, what uh, can well, they do? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the first thing to do is to sign up uh, to the campaign, which you can do at simpol.org. Um, and it's it's completely free. But actually, we are looking for uh, we have nobody representing us in Sweden, actually, at the moment. Uh, and so um, if anybody likes this idea and, and would like to get involved, um, they, they can contact me mm-hmm. and um, we can discuss it and, and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, there's. I think there's everything to play for. There's everything to play for. Nice. And then, what's your email address if someone wants to reach out, or or where so should they? <clears throat> yeah, it's if you, if you just email info at simpol.org, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah, 
And if you go onto our website, there's lots of resources there. There's some animation videos and and, Mm -hmm. uh, other things which are, you can use to spread the idea and to inform other people about about it. Yeah, the the animation video is really good. It really explains well what you're doing. So good. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, yeah. View that. Yeah. <laughs> good. So thank you so much for for it was just, this has been a great conversation. Um, getting um, more and more uh, enlightened <laughs> about <Hopefully>. the. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, thank uh, you so much, Maria. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's it for today. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you want to read up more about the guest, then you can go to the show notes to get all of the links. And also, if you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter to never miss the latest episode. Thank you for today. See you in the next episode.